Mikel Arteta is fuming. He called the standard of officiating a disgrace, an embarrassment, and he's got every right to be incredibly frustrated after what we saw unfold at St. James's Park yesterday evening. It's the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, and we're going to break it all down for you here, live on YouTube, and of course, on all your favourite audio platforms. Let's go. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast on this Sunday morning. Um, I was going to uh, put this out a little bit later on in the day. I was going to sit down and do this a little bit later on in the day, but you know what? I'm so annoyed about how things unfolded. I'm so annoyed. I beg your pardon. I'm so annoyed about the way it all happened. I don't know what happened there. I thought my computer just froze for a second. Anyway, I'm so annoyed about how it all panned out. Um, some of the reaction to what we witnessed yesterday that I just want to get this out of the way. I want to get it out into the open. You guys can take it in. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. But after this, do I want to sit and watch any more English football this weekend? No, I don't, if I'm being honest with you. It finished, of course, Newcastle United won Arsenal nil, but it shouldn't have. It shouldn't have because it should have petered out into a nil-nil draw. Now, the reason I wanted to start with that and lead with that is because what I don't want is people saying that I am saying or suggesting that Arsenal were great yesterday and actually deserve to take all three points and that what, what unfolded in the last stages of that game cost us three points because it didn't. It cost us one point. Okay, let's be clear on that because just based on some of the replies I've had on social media over the last sort of 24 hours or so, it's as if people think that we as a fan base are sitting there going, Arsenal were brilliant yesterday and it was just a pure robbery. No, Arsenal weren't brilliant. Arsenal were brilliant defensively, but on the whole, the performance was lacking quite a few things. And we're going to get into that on this episode. It's not just going to be about VAR. It's not just going to be about the decisions. We will obviously talk about those and focus on those and discuss those at length, as we should. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about the other side of things. It doesn't mean that we can't talk about the performance. You know, we didn't deserve to win the game, but we certainly, certainly didn't deserve to lose it. Big hello to everybody joining us in the live chat at the moment. And of course, to everybody who will be watching or listening to this back a little bit later on. Uh, good to see so many of you with me. I have to apologize, by the way for the lack of a preview show um, going into this weekend. You can probably still hear it. My voice is a bit of a mess. My throat is a bit of a mess. Um, and um, I had a really busy Thursday and Friday. And I actually planned to do the preview show for the Newcastle game on Friday after Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he gave in the morning. But basically, long story short, um, I had a radio show that I had to, I had to go and do. I had a commentary match on the Arsenal website, the under-21s game with Manchester City. And I couldn't not turn up for those two gigs. Um, I, I had to do them. I wanted to do them. Look, I'm going to cough now. Um, but my throat was just not in the state to do either of those jobs, really. I ended up doing both, and I ended up getting through both. Um, thankfully, because I had a mute button on my microphone on both of those jobs. And so nobody could hear me. But every now and again, I'd have to pause and cough. Um, and even now, it's not completely gone. I feel a lot better. Uh, done a bit of radio this morning. Um, but I'm just, yeah, I'm recovering from a really bad sore throat and a cough. 
um, which is related to my sore throat. You know, when you get that kind of tingle in your throat when you talk and then that leads to you having a cough, but there's nothing to cough like your, your chest and your, your your windpipe and all of that just feels so dry because there's nothing there to cough out. So you just end up being in pain. That's basically what I've had uh, over the last couple of days. So that was the reason that there was no preview show. I just thought if I try and do an hour's podcast, there's a good chance that I won't have a voice to do the game that I've said I'm going to do uh, on Arsenal.com in the evening. Big thank you, by the way, to everybody that tuned into that. I know a fair few of you um, did. Uh, you can find the highlights, of course, of that game on the Arsenal website right now. Uh, it was a really, really entertaining game. Uh, so do check them out if you haven't done so already. And thank you, of course, for all the kind messages. OK, in terms of hellos, uh, we have got Mario with us. We've got Daniel Henry, uh, Sammy, Cherie. We've got John Wesbird, Arthur, uh, the game, the front row. Uh, we've got Callum. Uh, we have got Irfan Chowdhury, Sadiq, uh, Adrian, uh, Paul, Mark, Nav, Alexis, uh, Psyche. So many of you with us. Uh, we've got Stan the Man as well who was about to go to bed in Vancouver, uh, but he's going to stay up now. Thank you, mate. Uh, good to see you in the live chat as well. Okay, then, without further ado, let's get into it then. Because Mikel Arteta described what happened and what he witnessed yesterday at St. James's Park as a disgrace. He had some really, really strong words to say um, on the uh, the decisions, um, on the, the officiating. This is what he said. Look, some of, I'll quote some of it. He says, um, it was embarrassing and a disgrace. He says, I have to be here now to say it's not acceptable. He says, we didn't deserve to lose the match. We lost the match because of the clear and obvious decisions. It's embarrassing, a disgrace. That's what it is, a disgrace. He said, you cannot imagine the amount of messages I got saying this cannot continue. I am wasting my time. We are wasting our time. I don't want to be in the hands of other people. He said, it's embarrassing what happened. How this goal stands in the Premier League this league that we say is the best in the world. He said, I've been here 20 years in this country and now I feel ashamed. It's a disgrace and there's too much at stake here. We are trying to do incredible things and be at the highest level each week. The outcome is nowhere near the level this league needs to have. It's not good enough. I feel embarrassed to be part of this. He also went on to say uh, he felt sick, that for many reasons, it was not a goal. He said, the thing that makes it worse, you need to see one image to say, okay, finished. Then if in doubt, you check the second one and they're saying this is a goal. OK, then he was livid, wasn't he? He was really, really angry, Mikel Arteta. And as I say, I think he had every right to be. So let's um let's go through then some of these decisions, some of the controversy. So there was no shortage of controversy in the game. That's fair to say on both sides as well. Yeah, we've got to talk about, um, you know, Kai Havertz, who uh, made a really, really strong challenge in the first half and the Newcastle crowd were... Uh, up on their feet about it. The Newcastle players clearly weren't happy with it as well. The challenge was made on long staff. Um, look, the VAR looked at this one and decided that actually the on-field decision of a yellow card was the correct decision. And this is spot on, okay? I have to admit, when I was watching it and Kai Havertz jumped in the way that he did and you looked at the reaction of the crowd on that near side and you looked at the reaction of some of the Newcastle players, I took a big sort of gulp and thought, uh-oh, we're in trouble here. You know, Kai Havertz is somebody that people think doesn't do much, is somebody that people have said needs to impact games more. We've talked quite a bit about his physical profile and how that adds something to our midfield. 
Um, and uh, and I thought, actually, we'll come on to his performance in general a little bit later on. But I thought this was a good example of him at least showing a little bit of edge. And I kind of liked the fact that he got into this because I thought what he did really well after was sort of find that balance between being quite um, aggressive and, and sort of doing all the things that he needed to do, not really letting it affect his game. But at the same time, just kind of making sure that he didn't do enough to then cross that line and end up uh, getting a second yellow card and being sent off. Look, there is no way on earth that this is a red card challenge. Now, if somebody had said to me, you know, the referee looked at it and decided that the way he jumped in, the fact that both feet were off the ground at one point or whatever, was reckless and endangering an opponent, you know, I'd have disagreed. But I could have understood the logic, at least, behind a decision like that. In this instance, though, and, and this is a prime example, right, of why people that don't watch football but go on social media and grab screenshots and then post things around are dangerous. Because that screenshot on the left of your picture as you look at it, right, for those of you watching on YouTube, I'm sharing a couple of screenshots. So it's basically the challenge that Kai Havertz made from two different angles. So on the first screenshot on the left-hand side, if you look at that, it looks like an ankle breaker. It looks like Kai Havertz has gone in with that wild right foot and that he's gone into the ankle of Sean Longstaff. And some absolute clown on social media posted that up, right? And and was like, oh my God, it's already could have snapped his ankle. Then you look at the other example, right? The other image, which I've put to the right of it. And you see it from a different angle. And what you'll find if you take it on a little bit, rather than relying on that still, is that Kai Havertz's right foot completely clears long stuff. He doesn't make any contact with him whatsoever. And the only contact that comes is from the follow-through, which is a withdrawn Kai Havertz left leg, and it just catches him a little bit and takes him out, whatever. Free kick, absolutely. Yellow card, definitely, no doubt about it. But any more than that, no. Um, no. Was um, Kai Havertz wrong to even make that challenge? Maybe. I think you could make that argument. But I thought, generally speaking, from a physical standpoint, he put himself about quite well. And I think it's one of those challenges that if you make it at home in front of your own supporters, nobody make nobody says a word about it. If you make it away from home, the crowd gets up, people get on your back, and it can become a thing really, really quickly. Three Newcastle players got booked, by the way, in the process of their protest around that challenge. So one booking for three? Yeah, not bad, Kai. Uh, not bad. It was all part of the plan. I'm just kidding. But I just think, yeah, um, you know, he... You know, he didn't shy away from the, the physical battle and he didn't shy away from the fact that Arsenal needed to compete. You know, Mikel Arteta said after the West Ham game quite passionately that Arsenal didn't compete. Well, they did yesterday. There's no question about that, certainly on a physical level. Um, some would argue that what Kai Havertz did sort of set the Newcastle United crowd off. It felt like a bit of a library inside St. James's Park up until that point, which is unusual. But that kind of tells you where Arsenal were at in terms of how comfortable they were at that point. But look, just to to wrap up on this, the Kai Havertz tackle, definitely not a red card, not for me. Um, a yellow card, yes, absolutely. Um, and if there was a, a card in between a yellow and a red, then maybe you'd consider it. But it does get on my nerves when people say that. I don't know why I've just said it, because there isn't, right? So it's yellow or red. And I think in the end, the officials got that one right. The VAR checked it. They obviously looked at what I've just explained to you. They've looked at the different angles and they've decided that a yellow card is the right 
um, the right decision on that. Okay, if we take it on. Bruno Gimaraish, how this man has stayed on the pitch is beyond me. Because I've put a screenshot in there of uh, the one incident, the main incident with Jorginho, but he was involved in multiple others during this game. How he has not been punished, I have no idea whatsoever. This is wild. And I'll tell you what's wild about this, is that a video assistant referee and his team have looked at this and decided that this is not violent conduct. Somebody's looked at this and decided that this is not violent conduct. Let me share with you guys um, the definition of violent conduct, right? A player, when not challenging for the ball, deliberately strikes an opponent or any other person on the head or face with the hand or arm is guilty of violent conduct unless the force was negligible. This is on the FA's website. This is on the FA's website. Let me just repeat that. A player who, when not challenging for the ball, which Bruno Gimaraes is not because the ball's gone, deliberately strikes an opponent or any other person on the head or face with the hand or arm is guilty of violent conduct unless the force was negligible. Bruno Gimaraes is clearly pissed off about something. He's sprinted up to Jorginho from behind and long after the ball's gone, he's smashed into the back of Jorginho's head with his forearm. That is violent conduct. That should be a sending off. Listen, this is not about Newcastle, right? This is, I've, I've had a load of Newcastle fans come at me on Twitter, calling me every name under the sun for sort of sharing my views on, um, on sort of some of the decisions yesterday. And the truth is, I don't have a problem with Newcastle United as a football club. Never have, probably never will. Okay. I, I just don't, I don't feel any type of way towards Newcastle Football Club. What I think is disgusting is that whenever we see crazy, wild decisions like this, the tribalism thing kicks in. And with the tribalism problem um, comes an issue in the longer term and around the game in general, right? right? So, you know, tribalism on the one hand is something that makes football very, very special. I, I agree with that. I, I'm firmly, you know, on board with that ideology and viewpoint. But the problem is, is that when you don't admit that things are wrong and when you don't acknowledge problems because, um, you know, they haven't directly affected you and actually you've benefited from it on that occasion, rather than saying look, we were lucky, but we're happy with the win, which you're entitled to be, of course, if you're a Newcastle fan. But rather than saying that, you try and find ways to come up with um, reasons as to why those decisions actually were correct when the rest of the world can see that they're not. And the problem with that is you end up in a place where, you know, referees and poor, poor officials get away with all these mistakes because, you know, the noise is only half as loud as it should be because there's some supporters that won't get involved in the noise and won't actually demand higher standards uh, when it comes to the officiating until when? Until it bites them in the arse. And believe me, this will come to bite you back in the arse. It won't be long before Eddie Howe, is sitting at a press conference having just lost the game that he really needed to win and having to, um, you know, highlight the poor standard of officiating. You know, as well, like, just say... Like, just say that you didn't see it. Like, j just say that you didn't see it, Eddie. Like, you don't have to say, like, oh, the only person that should have been sent off was Kai Havertz. That's a nonsense. That is a nonsense. An absolute nonsense. 
Okay. Um, and then we come on to the main event, the goal. Um, look, there were three potential reasons as to why this goal could have and probably should have, in fact, definitely should have been disallowed. And I'll explain to you which part about it I feel most strongly. So first of all, you've got the possible ball out of play. Now, when I sort of scrolled through social media last night and spoke to a couple of people last night and, and continue to do so this morning, a lot of people were saying that actually from that angle, it's really difficult to tell because of the curvature of the ball, because the fact that part of the ball could be actually hanging over the line and that angle wouldn't show us that. And there's been a lot of people that have gone online and like, you know, got an actual ball, put a line on the floor and, and tried to demonstrate that by taking a picture from different angles. Now, to me, that ball looks out. OK, you know, at the time I thought it was out. I still think it's probably out. But I do accept that there is an argument about the curvature of the ball and that there is an argument that, that from that angle, it is inconclusive. I'm going to be fair here. Right. I'm going to be as fair as I possibly can be. And whilst I disagree, I accept that there is an argument for that. What I don't accept is that Joe Linton has not fouled Gabrielle there. That I do not accept and I will never accept. Because as that ball comes in, Gabrielle has it all under control. Some have claimed that he stoops down and that's why he goes under the ball and, and ends up not being able to clear it properly. Yeah, he stoops down because he wants to head it up over himself and away. But he wouldn't dive underneath the ball like that. Gabrielle's a far better header of the ball than that. He's got two hands in his knee. Not one, but two hands in his back from Joe Linton. And everyone and anyone can see that. Now, some of my mates who are not Arsenal supporters have tried to uh, pretend that that is not a foul. Have tried to tell me today that it's not a foul. What a load of nonsense. Two hands on the back. Now, think back to what we saw at Old Trafford last weekend in the game between uh, Manchester United and Manchester City. Look what Rasmus Hoyland was penalised for on Rodri. Right? So look at that. And now look at this. How is this not as much of a foul? How is this not as much of a foul? This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. He puts both hands... On his back, you can see that both hands are extended, which creates a pushing motion. You can also see that when the ball comes off of Gabrielle's back, it comes off of Joe Linton's arm, which means that there's a handball there as well. There's a handball case to answer. And then you go on to the third slide there. There's an offside call as well. It's just, for me, it's mad. It, it, it is mad that we are in 2023, with all this technology available to us, with all these additional replays, with all this, you know, extra stuff to help us get things right. And we are getting things wronger than ever. It's mad. Now, I'm not, again, you know, I'm not pretending that this is a conspiracy against Arsenal. I'm not saying that Newcastle should be blamed for this. And I'm very much of the opinion that unless we as a football community all gang up and you know, do what it takes to highlight the incompetency of the PGMOL and its employees, then, you know, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. You know, is it going to become the norm? Is it part of the entertainment value that there might be a bit of refereeing controversy from week to week? Do some people actually want that? 
They're not football people to me. This is an absolute nonsense. And do you know who I feel sorry for? I feel sorry for those Arsenal fans that travelled all the way up to Newcastle yesterday and had to see the game be decided by a bad piece of officiating. I feel sorry for Mikel Arteta and his players who spent a few days preparing for the game, um, you know, and and had a game plan, which they executed well to some degree. We'll come on to talk about Arsenal's game plan and the tactics and, and what we saw from them in a minute. You know, I feel sorry for everybody involved who has had to be a part of that miserable, miserable decision and the consequences of that. Now, just quickly before I move on, um, there were a couple of uh, bits about uh, the ball uh, and whether it was out or not. Hold on. Um, Let me try and pick those up. Sadiq says, "Um, Harry, don't be fair. There is no proof the curve of the ball is in play. If you can't find proof, just go with the footage you have. And Westbird says, I'm afraid that I don't agree, Ari. The first part, Harry, if the only angle shows the ball out, then you can't award the goal. Simple. But then to compound the mistake with the foul on Gabriel is outrageous. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. And I hadn't really thought about it like that. You know, um, I hadn't really thought about the idea of, well, if that's the only angle you got, you should go with that. You know, maybe I've been obsessing about the whole is it conclusive thing. And listen, I look at that and I still think the ball's out, as I've said. I'm just trying to think of why you would deem that as being inconclusive. And look, as I said from the start, I disagree with that, but I can kind of live with that, with that argument at the very least. What I can't live with is in particular, the second bit, the foul. That's the bit that I, I can't live with. Um, really, really struggling with that. But, um, yeah, anyway, uh, we move on. That's the VAR stuff done. Um, a whole catalogue of bad decisions, bad calls from a bad team of officials. And unfortunately, the, the Premier League is plagued with this stuff now. And again, let me be clear. This is nothing to do with Arsenal. This is a wider point. This is a much wider issue. And it's not enough to only be outraged when it involves your team. You know, Jurgen Klopp very famously asked for a replay after Liverpool's game against Spurs, or at least suggested that that should be in the thinking. And he was ridiculed for it. Um, you know, he was he was killed for it. That decision that day was an absolute disgrace and undoubtedly had a big impact on, on the outcome of the game. Where I think, and if I'm being fair and honest, where I think Mikel Arteta um, has let himself down a little bit is that Mikel Arteta after that incident between Liverpool and Tottenham, probably because he wanted to duck any potential uh, trouble that he could be talking himself into, um, you know, just said that we have to accept that mistakes happen. It's a lot easier to accept those mistakes when they're not directly impacting you. And although I think that he was doing that because he wanted to avoid any potential trouble, probably just wanted to um, move on from that topic, didn't really want to be dragged into the conversation and into the debate. I think that's going to that's come back to bite him now, hasn't it? Because people are highlighting and circulating that clip of Mikel Arteta saying we we have to understand that they're trying to come to the best decisions and that mistakes will happen. No, you need to call it out for what it is. And it's a really, really poor standard of officiating right across this league. And if we don't do something about it, it's going to affect every single one of us at various different points over the season. You know, I look at I look at Wolves, right? I think about Gary O'Neill. You know, 
he's come in there quite a difficult job given what's been going on at Wolves in the sort of past year and a half or so he had that outrageous decision go against his side at Old Trafford earlier in the season when they played really well that day and they ended up you know not getting what they deserved out of the game they had an outrageous penalty given against them last weekend against Newcastle incidentally um, which was a madness and they've had another one this weekend given against them Somebody like Mikel Arteta, right, is probably going to keep his job regardless. Somebody like Gary O'Neill, who's at the other end of the table or who's expected to be at the other end of the table and could still find his side in a relegation fight, could potentially lose his job because of incompetency and because of incompetence. And that's not on. And so that's why I think it's really, really important that you're not just outraged when it's your team or when it involves your players that you call it out for what it is, which is shoddy from start to finish and poor, um, whatever way you look at it. My sort of eyes were telling me um, during the game, sort of watching it unfold, that, you know, neither side did enough to win it, that a draw was a fair result. Goes back to the point that I made right at the start of the programme. And, you know, I think the statistics back that up. You look at the possession, Arsenal had 59%, but did they really look threatening with that not really um so that's a bit of a red herring i would argue i beg your pardon managed to get to the mute button there just before i cough my guts out on there uh shots on target arsenal had just one but newcastle only had two so henry winters claimed for example that newcastle really deserved to win the game i don't know where he's got that from and i don't know what he was watching uh, arsenal had 11 corners in comparison to newcastle's zero and uh, the hosts committed 14 fouls and we committed nine. The truth is that in terms of attacking prowess and in terms of creativity, it was a really, really poor game of football. It was. That's the truth of it. It was a rubbish game of football. Um, and uh, and in the end, it was decided by a, a bit of madness on behalf of the officials. Now, you can kind of take it if someone picks it up 30 yards out and rifles one into the top corner. You kind of just say, well, look, fair play. That's one of those special moments in football. But to lose it the way we did, incredibly, incredibly frustrating. Um, Arsenal's performance on the whole, as I've kind of mentioned, not good enough, really. Um, defensively, solid. Um, I thought, in fact, we defended in... Up until that goal went in, up until uh, that crazy decision um, was passed and the goal was allowed to stand, you know, and and you know that's that's the truth of it. I can't remember them uh, creating too much. I can't remember David Raya having to make saves. I can't remember us having too many issues. Equally, though, we didn't offer anything going the other way. You know, we got ourselves into some promising positions at times. We got ourselves into areas of the park from which we could potentially inflict damage. But we just didn't have that cutting edge. Um, you know, without Jesus up front, I think we're a totally different animal. Um, I think that we're a much weaker animal, if you want to put it that way. Um, I, I think that his link-up play is second to none. And I think he's one of our most creative players, despite being the one in a, playing in a position that traditionally you'd expect to be the one putting the ball in the back of the net, not creating. Losing Martin Odegaard in the build-up to the game was a big blow as well, and I think that impacted our performance. Um, but I thought we competed well physically. I thought we took good care of possession. 
um, most of the time, apart from when we entered into the attack in third. And so whilst I'm going to sit here and say that, you know, we lacked cutting edge and that I am starting to grow concerned about the inability to create opportunities regularly enough, the fact that Bukayo Saka's form is off, it's, that's as clear as day. The fact that I don't really know where Kai Havertz should be playing at the moment. You know, there's loads of things to kind of pull apart, but there were a lot of positives to take in terms of, as I say, the way we competed, the maturity we showed, and the fact that we didn't get overwhelmed um, by the occasion, by the venue and all the rest of it. I thought we handled most aspects of it really, really well. David Raya uh, was in the spotlight again. Um, could he have done more to prevent the goal? He had a relatively uneventful game um, up until that point. I thought his distribution was okay. Um, you know, a little bit better uh, than, you know, we've seen in, in some of the other weeks. But then you kind of have to, don't you? Ask questions about his involvement in the goal. You look at where he's positioned when the cross comes in. You know, you could argue that he wants to be closer to his near post because he's worried that somebody might try and squeeze one in. But the the position that he takes up makes it really, really difficult for him then to get across and deal with that cross. And when you look at the height at which the ball passed David Raya and the fact that it's gone across his six-yard box almost, you know, you have to think that he's got to do more. Like, you have to think a top, top goalkeeper commands that area just a little bit better. So I think because we've been talking about VAR and because we've been talking about some of the decisions, that David Raya's part in that has gone a little bit under the radar. Now, I don't want to be the guy that talks about the goalkeepers every single week and after every single match. I've said that before. But sometimes things are impossible to ignore and impossible to overlook. And for the integrity of this podcast, I have to highlight them because otherwise you guys will say, well, I'm just brushing it all under the carpet because, you know, I'm a club man and Arteta's my man and Arteta, um, you know, never does anything wrong. But, you know, I do have question marks around this goalkeeping change. I think that in time we might understand a little bit better and it might be a little bit clearer why that change was made. But at this moment in time, what we're seeing from David Raya doesn't give me uh, confidence or or the belief that that decision was categorically the right one. And yeah, look, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Raya, but because of the position that Arteta's put him in, displacing Aaron Ramsdale, because of the way this whole thing has panned out, there is going to be extra scrutiny on our goalkeepers. And sometimes they are going to be overanalyzed. And you know, maybe I'm a bit guilty of that here today, but I just think that he, he probably should should have done a bit better from that cross. Now it's time for my uh, Arsenal player ratings. Um, David Raya, 6.5. I thought he was okay uh, up until that moment with the cross. Um, you know, not really much else to report on when it comes to David Raya, to be honest with you. Um, ben White, I'm going to give him a seven. Uh, William Saliba, I'm going to give him an eight. I thought William Saliba was brilliant again at centre-back. Uh, Gabriel, I'm going to give him a seven. I thought he was solid, just like Ben White. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu, I'm going to give him a 7.5. I thought he not only defended really well and showed us what we're kind of missing when Zinchenko's in the side instead of him from a defensive point of view. I thought he got forward. Um you know, to um, 
to good effect at times as well. Not necessarily using the ball well in those areas, but, you know, just getting into those areas, being that extra body. Basically, the, the point I'm trying to highlight is the energy levels that he showed. Um, just a quick one. Apologies if you're getting commercials during the YouTube stream. That shouldn't be happening. I'm pretty certain um, that I'd set it up to, by default, turn those off. But obviously, uh, I've done that wrong. Um, so I apologize about that. I'm going to stick a post-it note right now. Here we go. Um, on my screen to remind me to turn that off next time. Apologies for that. Um, what else have we got? Jorginho in midfield. I'm going to give Jorginho a seven and a half um, because I think that Jorginho had a good game yesterday. I thought he was composed in possession. I thought he dealt with the fact that Newcastle were trying to bully him, one player in particular, pretty well. Um, he used his experience. He put his body in the right places in terms of luring fouls out of people as well. I thought he had a good game, Jorginho. And he gets a bit of a rough ride sometimes, Jorginho, from sections of the Arsenal fan base. But yesterday, I thought it was very good. Uh, Declan Rice, uh, eight for me. Um, I thought he had another really, really good game. Highlighted his importance to the side once again. Kai Havertz, I'm going to give Kai Havertz a seven. Um, I think he is someone that we're still trying to figure out, still trying to work out. But I thought in terms of the way he competed, he was very good. And if we're going to talk about the attack being lacklustre, you know, it wouldn't be fair to pin that on him. I think that actually he did quite a good job of getting the ball, carrying it through the lines and laying it off to Saka, laying it off to Martinelli, playing it into the feet uh, of Eddie and Ketia and all the rest of it. I thought he actually did that bit of his job quite well. So I think for me that the front three were a letdown last night. Bukayo Saka just looks so off it, doesn't he? Nowhere near the Bukayo Saka that we know he can be at this moment in time. He gets a five out of ten for me. Eddie and Ketia gets a six. Um, worked very hard as Eddie and Ketia always does, but just lacked that quality when you needed it. That magical moment, that X factor, if you like. And Gabriel Martinelli, I'm going to give him a six point uh, five. You know, you wanted him to be the threat. We'd work the ball out to him, but sometimes the decision making wasn't there. And, and whole moves would slow down. I've rated the subs, but I'm not going to really place too much value on these. Zinchenko, six. Vieira, six. Leandro Trossard, five. The reason Trossard got less for me than the other two, and I don't even think his general play was worse than the other two, but there was about two or three corners towards the end of the game that he just made a complete mess of. And that's so frustrating when you're chasing an equalising goal. Uh, late on in the game, which is why I've marked him down. But let me just run through those player ratings on the whole, uh, just once more for the benefit of those listening. Raya, six and a half. Ben White, seven. Saliba, eight. Gabriel, seven. Tomiyasu, seven and a half. Jorginho, seven and a half. Rice, eight. Uh, Havertz, seven. Saka, five. And Ketia, six. Martinelli, six and a half. Those are my player ratings for the starting 11. Right. Um, listener Q and a time. Let's get some of your questions, uh, from the live chat box, start filling it up and I'll take as many of those as I possibly can between now and the end of the podcast. I'm not going to go on for too much longer just because I'm feeling my throat going again. You'll notice I've had to mute the microphone a couple of times so far to cough, uh, to the side. Um, but yeah, I don't want to push my luck on this. Uh, I, I feel like I've made the points that I need to make. I mean, just to kind of summarize while you guys are um, getting some questions in the chat box, you know, did we deserve to win? No, um, we deserved a point. And I actually would have taken a point before the game. 
Um, I think a point away at Newcastle these days is a very respectable result when you consider the players we've got missing um, and the fact that we had to play on Wednesday and that we're going to play on Wednesday again in the Champions League. You know, I actually think a point away um, at Newcastle United would have been pretty decent. I, I wouldn't have come away celebrating it, but I'd have certainly been content. And I think that then we'd have been looking at the positives a lot more, i.e. the maturity, the defensive solidarity, etc., etc. The problem is when you don't create much, then you are susceptible to one moment basically messing you up. I was going to use another term, but there might be kids watching or listening. But you basically become susceptible to one thing um, making the difference. And um, and that's what happened yesterday. So definitely question marks around the lack of creativity and how we can improve that and how we need to do better. Nobody's denying that. Kai Havertz, for me, shouldn't have been sent off. Correct call in the end. Bruno Guimaraes absolutely should have been sent off. And there's a number of reasons as to why what was the winning goal ultimately shouldn't have stood. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my kind of conclusion, my summary. Again, though, the, the point that I really want to reiterate once again is don't just call this stuff out when it's us. Like, don't just call this stuff out when we're directly impacted by it. Like, I would go as far as saying that if Spurs, um, you know, get done by a bad decision that costs them the game tomorrow night, call it out. Call it out. And and the reason you need to call it out is because otherwise we're kind of allowing, you know, these things to pass without the maximum amount of noise around them. And only when you create the maximum amount of noise can you actually enforce change. You know, I really, really do believe that. If we're only going to call out the ones that suit us and in the moments that suit us, then, you know, we're not doing our duty as football fans, in my opinion. And I think it's really, really important that we do do that. So, yeah, um, you know, and that's where Arteta let himself down. That's where Arteta needs to look at himself in the mirror. Um, I love Mikel Arteta and the job he's done at Arsenal so far, but he does need to look in the mirror. Um, when you think about how he reacted to the um, Liverpool Spurs incident and then how he's reacted yesterday, like it, it's not a good look, is it? But anyway, um, OK, let's go over to some of your questions. Um Rob says, uh, would the best thing be for managers to state when incorrect decisions benefiting their own team were wrong? That would really put pressure on the officials. Managers duck issues that benefit their team. Ties in really, really nicely with what I've just been saying. Yeah, um, that, that's absolutely right. And that's where, you know, then there needs to be, in my opinion, some kind of sit down among the Premier League clubs where the managers um, and, and the chairman and all the rest of it sort of agree to try and do that a little bit more because until that starts happening, there'll always be somebody you can hide behind. And there'll always be one manager coming out in the media saying, oh, it was absolutely fine or I didn't see it or whatever. Um, and that gives whoever's culpable for those mistakes and whoever's responsible a free ride. So I agree that would be the best thing, but that requires maturity and at times the tribalism to be put to one side. And the problem is that very few people within the world of football are willing to do that. And and that's why I worry that this is never going to be sorted. But And so if I can't sort that, well, not me personally, but you know what I mean? If we can't sort that, then we need to sort out the standard of officiating at least to get it up to a higher level so that if this does happen from time to time, fine. But it shouldn't be happening every week, which is basically what's going on at the moment. Um, Harry, what do you think of the so-called realist Arsenal fans? who claim we didn't do enough to win the game, therefore the referees' mistakes are irrelevant. Well, 
how can the referee's mistakes be irrelevant when it's been the difference between us earning one point or zero? Like that point could be key at the end of the campaign, you know? So, yeah, um, I think that I understand why people want to highlight the fact that the performance in an attacking sense wasn't very good. And I think that's something that Mikel Arteta will need to take away from this game. And I'm sure he has, despite what he said in the, the media after the game, directly after the game. I think he will know that Arsenal lack that cutting edge in attack and he'll need to try and do something to address that. Um, but yeah, that like a referee's mistake that leads to a goal that decides a game can never be irrelevant, can it? I don't know. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Al says, uh, Mikel's not impressing this season at all. We look like we've regressed despite spending over £200 million in the summer and £50 million in Jan. This is poor, poor management. I was actually sort of thinking about this as the game was unfolding yesterday and I was sort of watching along. And, you know, I, I remember sort of saying to, to my brother that, like, although we're not creating as much and that's a problem and it needs to be fixed and we need to do better, I actually felt like we were really, really in control yesterday up until, of course, the point that the goal went in, the goal that should never have been, by the way. But then I, it got me thinking about, you know, whether Arsenal are better or worse or if they're just different. And I think that you could make the argument that they're worse in an attacking sense, but you look at how strong they've been defensively generally this season and you think to yourself, well, maybe we've just changed tact a little bit. Maybe we've changed approach a little bit. That level of control that we seem to have without being as big a threat as we used to, we'll probably see us win more games than lose them. Um, but maybe you win games with finer margins, smaller margins, and that's the difference. I don't know. Um, but yeah, you you could argue that we've regressed at least in one, one side of the game. Um, Mikel, um, question on Mikel from Stan the Man. He says, so will Mikel get fined or disciplined? for speaking out in the way he did. Possibly, um, possibly, you know, I wouldn't put it past uh, the FA from taking that kind of stance. You know, anyone uh, sort of breaks the mould or anyone um, who's openly critical has tended to be punished for that in the past. But I think there's so much pressure right now on the PGMOL um, that they should be spending whatever time it will take to kind of discipline Mikel Arteta in terms of trying to find out with the from the PGML OL what's gone on and and saying, look, what support do you need from us to help you make this better? Because this is just not on. And I'm telling you, people are turning off from the Premier League. I mean that. I know some of you will argue and push back and say, biggest league in the world, biggest clubs in the world, people are always going to be interested, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I genuinely today have zero interest in watching any Premier League football after what I witnessed last night. That is not me. I'm the guy that like hates it when my wife makes plans on a Sunday because all I want to do is watch Premier League football. That's me normally. Me today, not interested. Instead, what am I doing? I'm looking at my phone. I'm looking at the fixtures and I'm saying, do you know what? Actually, we could do this today or we could do that today because um, because uh, there's a game on this evening that I'd rather watch on the continent. That's how I feel right now. That's how I feel. Um, Wesbird says uh, Arteta has decided to tweak the system to gain more control but I'm very concerned that by doing that he's unbalanced the fluidity and our players look so underwhelming and the tempo and transitions are slow it's a good point 
kind of feeds into um to what I was saying already. Um, Fuad says, Harry, why are the Premier League execs allowing their product, deemed as the best in the world, to be dragged through the mud by the PGMO like this? Surely club owners need to get involved uh, now, otherwise um, nothing will happen. I don't understand why the why the Premier League allow the PGMOL to oversee all of this. I don't understand why the Premier League don't go, this is not good enough, we're going to take control of this ourselves and we're going to do it. We're going to train the referees, we're going to be in charge of them. It's almost like the Premier League likes having someone else that they can point the finger at when the standard of officiating is not good enough. So it's like, you know, today we're all annoyed. We're all pissed off. Who are we directing that at? We're directing it at the PGMOL. And the Premier League can go, hold on a minute. That's the PGMOL's jurisdiction. Go and have a word with them. It's almost like it benefits them and suits them to have that organisation um, in between. Jimmy O'Hare says... Um, Spot on, Liverpool playing sensational football the year before they won it. Once they became less exciting and more machine-like, they went on to win the league. Um, yeah, I think there is something in that. Like, genuinely, I do. Um, I genuinely do think there is something in, in in the idea of trying to exert more control, taking less risks, et cetera, et cetera. At times, it will work the other way where, you know, the margins are not big enough and then shit moments like what we experienced yesterday are going to determine the outcome of the game. But I do think there's something in that theory uh, for Mikel Arteta. And we're only going to know if it's worked um, later on in the season, aren't we? So um, I'm not going to go too big on that because I'm not as concerned by that as other people, I don't think. Anyway, guys, um, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so, so much. Uh, remember, we'll be back tomorrow for this week's edition of The Debrief, a uh, brand new show that we started last week. Had loads of great feedback. I'm sure we're going to talk about... Um, refereeing and whatever else uh, we need to. Going to sit down and plan that show uh, a little bit later on tonight. We're also going to look around the continent and get some of the biggest stories, touch on them as well. We might even do a bit on the Copa Libertadores final, which I really enjoyed um, last night. But um, yeah, I'll see you all uh, on Monday with another episode. It'll be the debrief. Thank you for tuning in to the Chronicles of Aguna Post Match podcast. I'll see you all soon. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>